Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you'd like to work here at St. John the 23rd. Are you talking to me? I don't work here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the truth finally comes I, out. I just come to pray. That... <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. The person asking the question is Michael Puppas, who used to work at John the 23rd. <laughs> well, it's been real. Yeah. Uh, Father Herb is here as well. Uh, we've been uh, interviewing this week for our new high school youth minister. It's been kind of a fun ride. It's a lot of work because you really want to give a lot of attention to everybody. You really want to uh, uh, help them shine. You don't. You don't. You do want people to be successful in the interview. Sure. You want them to present themselves in the best way possible. Do you remember when you interviewed me? I do remember interviewing you, and I hired you anyway. I, <laughs> what was your first impression of me? Should we stop recording? Actually. Uh, I don't remember, except that, so let the people out there know. I did not make a good first impression. No, that's not true. You were 19 years old. I was. You had finished your freshman year of college. I did. I was the new pastor here. We had not yet started having mass. I needed somebody who could help with music on a very minimal way. You were desperate. And you've you've proven true on that. Uh, (laughs) You were desperate. I know. Uh, And uh, we didn't have a place to meet, so we met at Bob Evans, and I paid for the meal. You did. I got a... And you owe me. I got a wildfire salad. Did you really? I remember, yeah. Okay. But anyway, you know, it was a very good first impression, but I said, Michael, this is a music ministry. I can't hire you you without you auditioning. You had to at least hear something. You had to make sure I could play something. And I, I knew enough about music to know that I did not know enough about music to hire. Sure. So we ended up borrowing, quote, unquote, borrowing, air quotes, uh, St. Patrick Hillerdown's church. Yeah. And their choir. That's when Jack was at St. Pat's. He was the music director there at the time. Yes, but we had a couple of other people come in. I think Fran came in as well, and maybe Jack was there. Yeah. But different uh, musicians to listen in. But they brought their entire choir in, and I had you teach the choir a song. I had you accompany a cantor. I had you do a lot of hard things. Sure. uh, Both uh, piano and organ. I had to pat my head and rub my belly. At the same time. At the same (laughs) time. So anyway, yes. Uh, I remember, I can honestly, I remember, you know, moments in your life that you can see, like vivid image recall of that moment, that whole audition and our dinner at Bob Evans, I can close my eyes and see the whole thing. Wow. Now, were you nervous when you came to meet me at the dinner? I don't remember. I don't think so. It was it was kind of like a, a blind date type thing. I said, I'm the one that will be wearing a, a carnation. <laughs> no, it was I, a collar. I, I wear a collar. Yes. Yeah. No, I don't know if I was nervous. I could have just been an overly cocky 19-year-old that thought, this guy does, he needs somebody. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. You know, I, I, looking back now, I truly believe it was the Holy Spirit and the hand of God making this new little parish start to come to life through well the whole that's true from the beginning there's no question about that including the hiring procedure well even you know as when we hired uh hillary and aaron last summer and even with our candidates that we've been talking to this week you know when i give a, a tour of the building or i talk a little bit about the history of the parish and i talk about starting at perrysburg high school for three years and moving into the parish life center uh, and then opening the church a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And then a year and a half later, closing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Expanding the parking lot and it's sitting empty. Yeah. Um, God, 
it's just hard to believe even even today even today uh there was a group of high school students that came to meet one of the candidates and they were sitting outside just talking a little bit and as we were walking back into the parking lot or into the church building i I said to the candidate a couple of these kids were infants when this church started they were babies yeah they were in diapers they still might be one, one one of the people that came in is the same age as the parish yeah she was born a couple of months earlier. Yeah. So anyway, with, with all that being said, uh, we are really going to miss Paul. Next week is Paul's last week. Well, actually, this, uh, yes, uh, Friday of next week is the end of his t- uh, term, the end of the month. Yeah. And so for those of you that may not have seen, uh, Paul is going on to teach theology at Central Catholic High School. And uh, we wish him the very best, and it's going to be exciting for him. I'll still get to see him, hopefully, at least once a week, because I've been playing Mass at Central. I'll get to see him once a week, because he'll still be still be a member of this parish. Yeah. Well, then I get to see him twice a week. Not to one-up you. Well, then, then it, well, I'll have coffee <laughs> with him, so I get to see him three times a week. Okay, let's move on. Anyway, these are exciting days, and no, things do not slow down during the summer. Uh, no. In fact, not at all. This year, because we're being very creative about how we're trying to plan ministries for the fall. And one of these days, we will un- unveil the entire plan. We're just not there yet. And we also have our third of the four First Communions this week. Those have been really kind of beautiful. They really have. That's That was turned out to be a very, very good idea for everybody, I think. Yeah. The, the fourth one is in August. And uh, we've had three of the summer retreats with different people, Sister Anne Mary last week. And uh, Aaron will be next week. N- Aaron next week. Alrighty, let's talk about, are you ready, the 17th week of Ordinary Time. We just keep checking them off. I know, it's, but these are the wonderful weeks of the parables. I love parables. So two weeks ago we talked about seeds. Last week we talked about seeds Weed. and weeds. weeds. This week we have two parables, and each one is only like a verse or two long. You know, it's funny. Uh, last week, I get Bishop Barron's daily gospel reflections in my inbox, yes. and the one came for Sunday, and he started talking about the mustard seed, and I thought, oh, geez, Bishop, it's not the mustard seed this week. You don't even have the right gospel reading. And I totally forgot there was a long form and a short form. And then when I looked up the long form, the mustard seed was in it. You're right, because bishops are never wrong. And I put my tail between my legs. It was a very, very awkward yeah. inner dialogue. It, well, these are always the problems. They're... Each of the last two weeks, there was so much more. If I had read the long gospel, it would have confused the issue rather than focus on one particular par- uh, parable. Last sure. week, there were three parables. So this week, are you doing the long form or the short form? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm doing the short form, okay. which is still two parables. The short form includes two very brief parables. But it's only a couple of verses. That's correct. Jesus, well, this is uh, chapter 13 starts with verse 44 of Matthew's gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, He goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Now, there's a third parable, which begins with the very same line. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. Mm. So, and then you get way to to the bottom after the three parables. 
it, it goes, says, um, every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like. So the, the term kingdom of heaven comes up four times if you use the long term, or long reading, and two times if you read the very short version that we're going to read. Okay. But we have two parables. They're similar. They each one focus on something that's worth selling everything else you have and pursuing that. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, they are very different. One's a treasure in the field and one's a pearl of great price. Now, I want to talk about the treasure in the field. As a kid, did you ever want to be a, a find a treasure in the field? Did you ever jokingly think that, uh, you know, if we, I might dig deep and we might find something here that was buried years ago? Um, probably not so much as a kid. We lived in, in the city. We, I grew up in South Toledo. Uh, South Toledo is itself a treasure. So it is. I loved uh, gr- growing up over in the Beverly neighborhood. Many bike rides. Um, but no, I don't think we, we really dug up. We had a little garden. I'm th- trying to think of times that we dug. When my guinea pig died in the sixth grade, I had to dig to bury it. That's a whole story in it, in and of itself that we won't get Did into Did you have a today. church service? Did you play the music for it? <laughs> yeah, I was. we had a little Catholic funeral for the guinea pig. I yeah. don't know if that's allowed or not. Um, but when I think about, uh, treasures buried in the backyard, I do think of a story at my very first house in Perrysburg that you owned as an adult. Yes, it was. Uh, so I bought the house in 2009. So it would have been after we got married. So sometime in 2012 or so. And, um, Claire came over to me and she said, there's like this little, um, piece of cloth sticking out of the grass and I said well pull on it see what what it comes up and I should preface by saying there is this patch of grass that or dirt no grass was growing on it was bare spot so I said well pull on it see what happens so she pulls on it and it keeps coming and it gets a little bit bigger but it gets stuck and she can't quite pull it out because it was stuck on a root so I come over and I start pulling on it and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and all of a sudden I realize I'm pulling like a white sheet out of the ground and I'm thinking why is there a white sheet buried in the ground and that's when i heard it you're supposed to say what did you hear what did you hear i heard bones rattling them bones and <laughs> bones will rise again that's what i thought you were going to say and we realized we had found uh the previous owners or a couple of owners ago dog that they had buried in the backyard uh and i found its skeleton and a tennis ball they buried with it which must have been its favorite toy uh, so actually, that's kind of beautiful. They buried the tennis ball with the the dog. Yeah, or they hated tennis and they didn't want their significant <laughs> other to find no. it. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we found. I guess it would have been a treasure for them, but their dog in the backyard. But it at least explained why there was no grass growing there because the sheet was in the way. Oh, the sheet. Yeah, probably wouldn't allow the grass to take root very well. Okay. I don't know if I want to respond to that story. but well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not a bad story. No, it's not bad. It's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> Is it sad? Yeah. I just think it's a story. Okay. Well, I think that let's get back to the gospel, though. The, there are treasures. And treasures buried in the field was not uncommon yeah. in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... If your country was being overrun by others, which had happened around there many times, the history of Israel, there, you know, in the northern area where Jesus was, Galilee had been run over by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians, and there were other groups through the years. Yeah. 
And if people had special treasures, they would often bury them to keep them safe so that they could come back later on if they ever returned to their homes. And actually, you find that even in the 20th century, you know, in, in Europe, uh, among the Jews who knew that they were going to be sent to uh, camps, mm -hmm. sometimes they tried to, to bury their treasures or hide them in some way. Uh, some were found, some were not. They're still unearthed, I don't mean literally out of the earth, but they're still discovering things that had been somehow uh, stored away and maybe the owner of the home never came back. So now you grew up in the country. Yes. Did you bury treasures? We, all, we always pretended there were buried treasures. Like pirates? Yeah, I remember one time my brother Ken produced uh, this wonderful old map. It was on... Uh, paper that was, you know, like not quite parchment, but it was very weathered and dirty. And there was a, a drawing of where the treasure is. I mean, these that kind of story is always fascinating. I did, know. Did he make but it up? He, yeah, he, he made the map himself. <laughs> but that's fun. And, well, we figured it out really quickly, but it was fun going along with it. Well, yeah. And if you have little brothers, that sounds like the yeah. perfect thing well, to I do. Well, I think of more recently, uh, what was it, 20 years ago or so, when when they found out where the actual battlefield was for the fallen timbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, all those years they thought it was over where the actual monument is. And then through the help of some historians and uh, anthropologists from um, uh, University of Toledo, they started reading the old manuscripts about the battle and they decided it was somewhere else. And they did unearth things like uh, some of the, the buttons that would have been from uh, some of the uniforms. Yeah. And, of course, uh, arrowheads, all those things. So. I think of the great Nicolas Cage movies, National Treasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Those are great movies. Yeah. They're fun to watch. So the question is, how does this relate to our faith? Well, the question is always in the first line. The kingdom of heaven is the like? The kingdom of heaven. So really you have to say the kingdom of heaven. Is the kingdom of heaven like the treasure, or is the kingdom of heaven like the one who seeks the treasure? Now, that's profound. You're supposed to think about it. I'm thinking about it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. That's what Jesus said. Which a person finds and hides again so that he can buy the field. So the, the kingdom is the treasure. But it's really about the person buying the field. Do you have any one thing, and you're not allowed to say people, like my kids, my wife, or anything like that. Okay. But... Is there any one thing that you treasure so much that you would sell everything to buy? No. No, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't care about things that much. <laughs> the look he just gave me. I don't, I don't care about... Maybe not anymore. <laughs> I don't care about... like They're not that important to me that I would get rid of everything else. But what if you were homeless? If I, I mean, were homeless... I mean, like you lose your home. Would I sell everything to get it back? Is that what to, you're saying? To get a home of any kind. Well, if I were homeless, I wouldn't have anything I could sell to get a home of any kind. Correct? I don't know. So what, what is the, the value? Okay. I'm, I'm still stuck on the look that you gave me when I said I don't care about things. That about much. things, yeah. We're going to talk about that later. Oh, yeah. yeah I feel like well, I have some soul searching to do. Anyway, <laughs> do we treasure our relationship with the Lord. The kingdom of God is about a relationship. Sure. The kingdom of God is not a place. Uh, I, I'm using the word kingdom of God. Matthew calls it kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I am very careful about that because usually when I say kingdom of heaven, people think of heaven after you die. Yeah. That's not the way Jesus preached it. It was like it's, 
it's growing right now. Do we value that relationship, that well, that new realm, the way of the different way of living? Do we value it enough right now that we would get rid of everything else? I th- I think the answer is probably not. I, I think we take it for granted. I don't think we necessarily treat our faith like a treasure. I think it's something that... Well, I will disagree for some people because how many times in the last several months I've heard people either say, uh, oh, I miss communion so much or how I treasure my faith or my faith is what has sustained me during this pandemic. Sure. So at least at that level, it's still going on. Well, for all you saints out there, kudos. Yeah. Us sinners are still working on it. Mostly it, Father Herb. It, it, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Well, it, it is the core of who we are. Maybe that's why some of the saints, we nowadays we call it, you know, radical poverty or radical spirituality, uh, willing to just let go of things mm-hmm. to seek what really matters. Seek ye first, uh, you, you, you know that song. What seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things shall be given unto you. Alleluia. And there's more, yeah. And then it goes into like a little Alleluia canon. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a canon. Yeah. Okay. That is also connected with the first reading today. Remember, we always say the first reading and the gospel have a relationship. They do. And it takes a little bit to think about it, but the first reading is so cool. I'm going to let you read it. We have time? Yeah, oh, we, we've, got, we've got time for days. All right, from the first book of Kings. From the first book of Kings. Let me tell everybody, this is not a fairy tale because like fairy tales, you get three wishes. It almost sounds like it at first, but it's not a fairy tale. It's not Aladdin. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. God said, ask something of me and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, O Lord, my God, you have made me your servant, king to succeed my father David. But I am a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon made this request. So God said to him, Because you have asked for this, not for a long life for yourself, nor for riches, nor for the life of your enemies, but for understanding so that you may know what is right. I do as you requested. I give you a heart so wise in understanding that there has never been anyone like you up to now, and after you there will come no one equal to you. Cool. That's great. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. But it goes on to say, and besides, I'll also give you all these other things too. I will give you riches. That's the part that you're not reading here. It's not included. It's the next part. Yeah. Got it. But it's that whole thing of saying the kingdom of God is the one who knows what really matters. That is the treasure. So the first reading talks about Solomon having all these uh, wishes granted from God. And I don't like to even use the word wishes because it sounds genie-esque. Genie-esque. Uh, you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> that's, that, that's what God said to, to Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. I'll, I'll give you an understanding heart. And of course, we talk about the wisdom of Solomon. Mm. 
you know, that it all flows from that. So the kingdom of God is the ability to have perspective, the ability to decide what matters and what doesn't matter, the ability to say uh, this is a treasure or this is nice to have and I'm appreciative for, for this in my life, mm-hmm. but that's not what's going to be the cornerstone of my life. Um, so b- back to the thing about, uh, you know, what we call the radical spirituality, of, you know, some of the great saints, they just let go of everything because it's almost like they're compelled. I have to get rid of everything because if I get rid of everything, then I can be free. And if I can be free, then I can choose. Hmm. Otherwise, it possesses you. Sure. Uh, last, last week, I finished a book that I had read on um, Catherine DeHuick Doherty. I don't know if you know who she is. I do not. Have you heard of Dorothy Day? I have. Okay. This is a, a, a contemporary. Now, Catherine was uh, from Russia. She became an immigrant to the United States, well, first to Canada, the United States, and eventually a complete life of poverty. Mm-hmm. I did meet her some years ago up in northern Ontario. Oh, wow. Um, some people think she should be declared a saint, but she eventually found the radical poverty was what was necessary in order to be rich. Maybe Okay, so here's what I'm going to just sell everything I have, and I'm just going to get a camper. Oh, I guess I'd have to buy it. Okay, I got to think this over. You're, you got to. I was going to try to live in the church parking lot. That's what I was going to tell you. Maybe a tent. I'll I'll live in a tent by the pond. Okay, the so back one, so I don't trash. So, so your life is intense. I, my goodness. All right. Well, uh, Father Weber, I would like to let you know that you did a pretty good job in this first interview. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna call you back for a second round. Can I have a tour of the church? Uh, for fifty cents, yes. Okay. Hey, it's good talking with everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you this weekend at Mass, either in person or online.